The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Warm welcome, everyone. Welcome back to those of you who have been with us for some or all of the preceding weeks. And a warm welcome if this is your first time. Also. So today, tonight, my friend and co-teacher Tanya Weiser and myself are doing the fifth of a five-week introduction to meditation course. Um, class. And we've been, over these last four weeks, gradually learning more and more about how to be with the intimacy of the direct experience of living. Watching with awareness, mindfulness, and mindfulness being a way of noticing experience while it's happening in the moment, much like a bird watcher or a naturalist might notice experience, what's arising in the birds in the forest around them. And this kind of learning how to pay attention on purpose is a process of beginning to cultivate a capacity for choice, for choice rather than reaction to what's happening in our minds and what's happening in our lives. So I'm going to give a very quick overview of the last four weeks. We covered mindfulness of breathing, mindfulness of the body, of emotions, and of thinking. And the way Tanya put it a couple of weeks ago, these are like concentric rings or ripples with the breath in the center and going outwards from there. And the reason that we often start with the breath is that it's always here, as long as we're alive. It's changing and dynamic, and it can help to build focus. If the breath doesn't work for you, and you know it doesn't, the body, sensations of the body, or attending to sound are two really good alternatives. Which brings us to the body. That was the focus for the second week. And we talked about how the, how the body has a form of intelligence. It has its own form of intelligence. And that listening to our bodies is a skill. It's a skill we can develop through mindfulness practice. Sensations are the language the body speaks. And this skill of listening feeling into the sensations of breath and body have the advantage of anchoring us here, now. You may have noticed your body is always here and now. The breath is always here and now, no matter where our minds go, what they're up to. The next week was mindfulness of emotions, which can range from the uplifting to the downright awful. Right? Emotions are a form of communication, often kind of a gestalt, a form of understanding what's happening, or at least how we're interpreting what's happening. And that word interpretation is key because emotions can be based on what's actually happening in the present or 
they can also be triggered now by something that has happened in the past. I think Tanya used the example of seeing a glass of water on the counter and that triggers something in the past and there's an emotional reaction. Or seeing something, a person's shoes in my pathway might have the same effect. It has nothing to do with the shoes or the water. It has everything to do with that combination of past experience being triggered by present moment. Emotions biochemically are only a 60 to 90 second process in our bodies and our brains. If we don't interfere with them, they flow through and they can move through. So part of, a large part of mindfulness practice is learning how to be with them and let them just flow through without buying into them, without interfering with them, repressing them, pushing away, or getting on a soapbox about them. And that brings us to thinking. And thinking and emotion are very closely related, right? Symbiotic relationship. Unseen emotions fuel a lot of our thinking. And thinking feeds a lot of our emotions. Both are true. So how our minds relate to thinking has a lot to do with how we relate to reality itself. And we have talked about this a lot over the course of the weeks. How we relate to things is critical, so important to learning mindfulness meditation and to living a life in harmony with what is actually happening. It's how we relate to it. So in beginning to understand thinking as something beyond reality itself, as just flits of our minds, it's helpful to understand there are different modes, visual, maybe word or concept, sound. It could be like a movie. Tanya talked about this, I think it was last week, right? And then it's also helpful to understand there's different types of thinking, imagining, remembering, planning, fantasizing. All of this is important because the experience of physical and mental pain increases or decreases depending on how we think about it, how we relate to it. Which brings me to the last sort of review point, which is just like we suggest you take an outer a posture in your body that's a combination of grounded, relaxed, and alert, there's also an inner posture, the mood or attitude, relationship to experience that's so core. And that attitude, it's helpful to have interest or curiosity kindness, and the willingness to start again over and over. So, this all brings us to this week's topic, which is bringing it all together. We're going to teach a form of meditation called open awareness, or choiceless attention. But first, we would love to hear from you, those of you who have been here, how your practice is going, if you have questions from the past weeks, 
Anything you want to ask about the practice right now? The floor is open, and both of us will respond. Maybe the microphone. Ah, yes. And please help each other with the microphones. Um, Elena, can I put you on the spot to model the ice cream method of the microphone? You can see. Beautifully done. Right up to, very close. Um, So the sound goes in through the top. So is anybody willing to share? Yeah. Behind you, Elena. Thank you. Thank you. And please say your name. Um, Hi, everyone. Good evening. I'm Divya. Um, And I guess. I've been coming to the sessions regularly. I've been practicing meditation a little less regularly, um, which I'm trying to give myself grace for. Sometimes it's a five-minute mindful stretching instead of a 20-minute sitting practice. Um, And I feel like, I don't know if it's placebo or what it is, but I do feel like it's made a big difference in the like past two months that I've been practicing. I've incorporated some other stuff in my life too, like yoga and other things that could also be helping. But um, like right now I'm going through a kind of difficult situation that I feel like a year ago would have put me in a really bad place. And right now I feel like, I don't know, I'm, st- I'm like, it's hard, but I'm okay. Um, and Great. so I feel like, that's something that it's really helped me with is like put things in perspective and try to give myself a break from like spiraling all the time. (laughs) So yeah. Wonderful. It's really beautiful to hear how even just a little bit of practice and the learning over the past weeks has contributed to this greater equanimity and this greater sense of being able to show up for whatever's difficult in your life. Yay. Yay, exactly. (laughs) That's great. That's great. Okay. I, I, I love, too, that you're, um, you know, and this is tonight, the second half, I'll be talking about mindfulness in daily life. And it is mindfulness practice to be mindful of movement. So that is practice. So, yes. Yes. Yeah. Great. So this is a question from YouTube, which Tanya helpfully handed to me. Yes, I did. <laughs> um, I'll read it aloud. Can you explain the difference between mindful meditation and insight meditation? It's a great question. So this is the Insight Meditation Center, and here we're teaching mindfulness meditation. And I guess... Um, To start with, I'm going to try to keep it short, which is not always my strong point. Uh, Mindfulness meditation is the sort of one branch, one kind of process within a much larger range of forms of Buddhist meditation. And mindfulness meditation can become insight meditation, Absolutely, certainly. But it doesn't necessarily have to be Buddhist. It doesn't have to have any religious connotations to it. It's a term that has been taken outside of Buddhism and used much more broadly to talk about the kinds of skills that we've been teaching for the past four weeks. This 
being aware of our own capacity to be aware of the breath, the body, emotions, thinking, open awareness. So mindfulness is focused on that capacity. Insight meditation refers to the Pali word vipassana, which is to discern, break apart, to see clearly. And mindfulness is one key, very important component of that, but it's not necessarily the whole thing. And other skills and other dimensions of meditation also come to the fore, concentration being one of them. And so when we talk about insight meditation, we're talking about it from a Buddhist framework, and we're talking about it as a larger part of a Buddhist path that incorporates some of these other factors of mind as well, which do come into play in mindfulness, but not necessarily to the same degree. Do you want to add anything to that, Tanya? No, that was great. Okay. Yeah. Can we ask you to move over just a tiny bit to the right? Thank you. Perfect. Okay. I was just a little concerned about the camera behind your head. It's no longer behind your head. (laughs) (laughs) Come on in, please. Welcome. Hi. Welcome again. Please settle in. We're going to move into the first set of instructions tonight. I'll be talking at you for about another 10 minutes, and then we'll go into a 15-minute guided meditation. So... I'd like you to do an experiment with me. It's um, kind of an exercise. So please close your eyes. And I want you to very intentionally think of a leaf, like a leaf on a plant or a tree. And if you're a visualizer, you can picture it. But to just think of it and hold it in your mind. And now, open your eyes. And what do you see here? Perfect, a leaf. Not the leaf I was thinking of. Was it the leaf any of you were thinking of? No, right? So the reason I'm bringing this very simple example is that the thought of a leaf is not a leaf. The concept of the leaf is not the physical leaf, right? So all of us probably were picturing slightly different or even very different leaves from each other. If I had been told to think of a leaf, this would not be the leaf I would have thought of either. So that's an important distinction we're going to play with tonight is the difference between concept and what actually arises in experience, in this case, in your visual experience of seeing this leaf. Now, um, just notice this leaf. Would you say it's big or small, medium? Medium? Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair to say. I saw some really small ones. I had a good time on a hike today looking, finding this. So... Now, how big is it? 
Yeah. So this is a really important kind of concept, is the conceptual differentiation of comparison. Right? Small, large, or four, medium. So this is the large leaf, right? We're all agreed. Okay. Is it still the large leaf? (laughs) (laughs) So again, it's the distinction by comparison. So now here's the really important question. Is one of these leaves better or worse than the other leaf? No, silly question, right? Is one of them bad or wrong for being larger or smaller? (laughs) No, not really. Um, So... The reason I'm being a little bit silly about this is our minds do this all the time. We draw comparisons between our experiences and usually we have value judgments associated with those comparisons. This experience is much better than this experience, right? Or actually I wanted this experience, but I've got this one, (laughs) right? So... Letting go of the value judgment associated with distinguishing between big, little, medium, large, small, wanted, not wanted, is a really powerful kind of capacity to begin to develop, to just experience the leaf as a leaf, not the concept in your head, not the, oh, this leaf, this is a bad leaf. It's all twisted, it's too curly, whatever. I'm not able to experience it as itself if I'm doing that. And just like that, we're not able to experience our experiences if we're constantly harshing on them, judging them, comparing them to last week's experience or the person next to me's experience, right? So... No right or wrong leaf, no right or wrong thought experience for the purpose of mindfulness meditation. They're just arising and falling, happening and going away, all in real time, right? Okay, so indulge me here. We're going to do one last little thing. Why don't you check out the space between the leaves? Take a look at it. Notice how your eyes might shift focus just a tiny bit, looking at the space between the leaves. And maybe, maybe notice the space between you and all of the leaves, between where you're sitting. In the space in the room. So this, this is a little bit like sometimes in meditation we can notice the space between sensations, thoughts, sounds, breaths, emotions, And that can be a really helpful shift. It's not that it's bad to notice the leaves, the objects, the experiences. That's totally fine. 
And if we're starting to get snarled up in them, sometimes it's really helpful to look for the space in between. Right? Sometimes meditation, open awareness meditation, can get spacious that way. Where we start, the mind starts getting more interested in the space in between than the actual objects of our attention, leaf, breath, sound, sensation, whatever. And that can be beautiful, but isn't necessarily any better or worse than noticing leaf, sound, object, thought. The really, um, it's helpful to notice the difference. The really important capacity we're developing, and it's like a workout in the gym, it takes time, you usually can't lift everything right away. We're developing the capacity to be aware on purpose. And so that's the last little part of this silly experiment is notice that you're knowing these leaves, this instruction, this moment. Notice that you're aware, that you're here, that you're present. Was that hard to do? Anybody? Nod, shake. No, not hard. So that simple noticing, that's mindfulness. That's awareness. Mindful awareness. There's another word for the ancient Buddhist term for mindful awareness. Another translation, which is to remember. What's harder for most of us is to remember to do it. Right? Over and over. So part of what we're training is like we remember anything else, we learn to remember anything else, we do it over and over and over again, and it gets easier until it's practically natural, becomes a trait. So, for the purpose of the meditation that we're going to do tonight, each leaf, each experience is simply itself, not the concept not the comparison, right? And it's also really helpful I think your mic just stopped. My battery just went out. I'm now tethered. Can you hear me okay? No. How's this? A little bit better. I'm actually going to hold it a little close because I don't want to change the configuration from your face. So tonight, the kind of meditation we'll be doing, as I mentioned, is called open awareness or choiceless attention. And it can be really helpful to give our minds something to do to stay in contact with whatever is coming up in the present moment. So in the earlier weeks, we were focused on mostly 
paying attention to, say, breath and letting everything else in the background or emotion and letting everything else be in the background. This week, we're going to ask you to settle into meditation using whatever anchor of attention feels most comfortable to you, given the other weeks you've been doing this. And then the invitation is going to be to open up to whatever arises, whatever's most dominant in the present moment at that point, and one that becomes less obvious, to return to the anchor. And then eventually just to kind of float in experience for a few minutes and let things move through sound, sensation, thought, mood, whatever. It can be really helpful to use a technique that we introduced a few weeks ago where you very softly, inside the mind, silently say a single word or a label like thinking, imagining, feeling, breathing, whatever it is, just to name it. And that helps the awareness sharpen just a little. So, let's give it a try. I'm going to switch mics before I give it a try. Can you all hear me okay? Great. So, settling into a comfortable posture, feet flat on the ground, seat grounded in the chair. Softening your eyes, softening your tongue. And if you're comfortable closing your eyes, closing them. Perhaps taking two or three intentional breaths. Really attuning, tuning in to the sensations of your body breathing. Maybe feeling the belly rising and falling. Feeling the chest expanding or contracting a bit. Or perhaps feeling the breath coming in at the nose or mouth. Gentle sensations. And allowing your attention to settle in your body, your life's breath. Resting on the flow of in and out 
steadying the attention. Perhaps in part by making a gentle, soft mental label, breathing in, breathing out, or rising, falling. Inviting, inviting the body to soften and relax. The head and the face. The neck and the shoulders. the arms and the hands. Allowing the breath to massage the chest and the belly from the inside. Softening and warming the torso. Feeling the grounding, the weight of your hips and buttocks on the chair or cushion. And allowing the tension to drain out of the thighs and calves, shins and ankles down through your feet and outwards. and opening the awareness to the whole body. And to the experiences arising in the moment, hearing, thinking, feeling, And as it feels right, using a soft note. Whatever's arising, sound, tension, warmth, relaxation. Noticing what arises in experience. Letting it flow through.
from time to time. Maybe noticing the space between a sound and another sound. Or a breath and another breath. Or any experience at all as it flows through this moment. Noticing, are you aware? What's obvious? Receiving experience.
imagining as if you're sitting in a simple room, a one-room house. Windows and doors all open. And you're in a comfortable chair. The only piece of furniture in the house. Letting all experience move across the windows, maybe even come in the door and stay a while and leave. But nothing stays because you are in the one seat in the house. Allowing experience to flow through the heart, the body, the mind. Just like that. Thank you for your practice. Thank you for the meditation. So we have another time for question, comment, sharing, questions. Great. You want to grab... Okay, I'm sorry to hear that. It's helpful, um, speaking of hearing, if you, um, you don't need to do it for that. You were just saying you couldn't hear, but to use a, a microphone. Um, were other people having ha- a hard time hearing? Okay, so. There's the yeah. hearing aids, yeah. Yeah. Or the cystian. Yeah. Yeah. 
This room also has weird little dead spots sound-wise in it. I've discovered in the past. So if you happen to have bad luck, you might end up in one of those. Was anyone able to kind of have that experience of a feeling that you were grounded in a chair or on a, you know, sitting somewhere and letting things kind of come and go? Were you able to have some degree of that experience in your meditation? It's not necessary, not always so easy. Just wondering if that um, connected for you, not for you. If you will not. You want to go ahead? Go ahead. Did someone else? Sorry. Okay. I was just going to say that I think the... um, labeling that you mentioned like labeling different thoughts was really helpful for me because sometimes like one thing just kind of waterfalls into a bunch of other things and before I know it I'm like why am I thinking about this again (laughs) so it was kind of nice to be like oh okay I'm like imagining this and I'm wondering about this and I'm planning for this and I'm you know what I mean and that really helped me like at least realize what I was doing in that time Great. So identifying the different kinds of thought or the different processes, it sounds like was really helpful to kind of get a handle on that they were happening. Great. Any other comments? I think you you had one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, please. I don't know if I just missed. This is not a very deep comment, but just to say that when you you talked about um, the muscle, I think, like, I haven't sat for quite a while, and I was definitely sort of drifting off, and um, it's just interesting to observe that, <laughs> you know, that, that my muscle is a little bit out of practice, and um, so, yeah, I'm feeling quite inspired to get back into it. So, yeah, please, yeah. And for great observation, you're noticing that the conditions are different. If we don't practice... For a while, the conditions are different. The muscles get a little deconditioned, and it's easier to wander. Yeah. And it's different from... There's a difference between valuing something and actually embodying those teachings. And Yeah. yeah. Well said. That's right. Very well said. That's right. Tanya, did you have one from YouTube? Yeah, I do have a question from YouTube, but I, I'm going to answer it later because it, it works well with something I'm going to address later. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yeah. please, Corey. Um, yeah, help each other with the mics, guys, if you can. Great. Thank you. Uh, I thought it was uh, intriguing to focus on uh, the spaces between sounds because usually when I do practice mindfulness on sounds, I'm focusing on the things that pop in, and uh, generally they, um, I notice uh, sounds pop me into the present moment, but then also evoke imagery as to what's causing the sound at the same time, <laughs> so, and that gets me spinning, too. so it kind of does both things, uh, but focusing on the space between sounds, I noticed um, some sounds like train sounds 
were long distances be- between sounds, and other sounds were very small apart. So I, I, thought, I thought it was a good. Uh, I'm going to try that more. It's very nice. So did you find that focusing on the spaces helped you stay a little bit less in the discursive, like, oh, that's a train? Yeah, I think that's what kind of appealed to me a little bit, is that I don't get caught up in the what's causing it and then get caught up into... It's more just the, the raw sound, not focused on, you know who's walking, who's driving, or what's, you know, uh, yeah. That's kind of, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Great, thank you. Great observations. Did anybody find it challenging? Yeah, hear about that too. Can you hear me? Uh, hi everyone, Brian. Yeah, this is challenging for me. Um, I think so. For me, it's the breath, like focusing on the breath. And if I'm not focused on the breath, then my mind just goes everywhere, and then I can't. Before I know it, I've spent five, six different thoughts, and then I'm like, "Oh, that was a thought," but it's been too long, right? So then I just get lost. So then, if I when I recognize it, and then I come back to the breath then it's fine. But then I was like, oh, the whole point of this was to like watch the spaces. And then I lose it again. <laughs> so I had like three separate cycles of that where I just couldn't just be grounded. It's like grounded for like a few seconds and then gone again. Yeah, I, I can respond. You can read the question, Donna. Um, I, I, I think I'll, what I want to point to, Brian, is you know what helps you anchor your awareness, which is the breath. And that's a power right there. That's a strength. It's a skill. It's really um, lovely that you know that you can do that, Right? And, um, you know, sometimes that is like that, no matter how much you're practicing or whatever, the mind is is just a bit of a choo-choo train. (laughs) Um, And what I'll kind of be talking about is mindfulness in daily life. And there's this, you know, the idea of going to the gym, gym and building the muscle, right? And... And it really is a matter of not, not just the lovely idea of what meditation is, which helps us, even if we're not doing it, it can, because it can help us remember. But actually, when we start to practice regularly, just like we start going to the gym regularly, we actually do build up some capacity, a muscle of the gym, you know, the capacity to be aware in mindfulness. And... And then what we can do as well is we don't just have to meditate. We don't just have to practice mindfulness on the cushion. So it's not like we can 
only do grow that capacity on the cushion, but we actually can start to practice it in daily life. That, you know, we don't need weights. We can just watch our thoughts. <laughs> we can notice our emotions. We can feel our body as we're walking and moving. Um, you know, I did a practice for a long time where I used, every time I got up at my office and walked anywhere, I used it as a mindfulness practice. And it really grew my connection to the my whole chest, my sense of breath and my body. And it, it became something that was, it went with me everywhere. So um, I think the, the encouragement is you have... You've already got some capacity, which is to be able to tune into the breath and keep experimenting and practicing more. Practice in more ways, more times. Is that helpful? I'll just briefly add that the experience you described indicated to me that you were actually quite mindful of going off and coming back. (laughs) And just give yourself credit for that. Because that is building that muscle in a really powerful way. Because yeah. life isn't as simple as watching your breath. Right? That's why we call it practice in some ways. It's, it's all simpler when we're just sitting. So this is a question from YouTube. When you say, notice that you know, it almost seems like you're asking me to be aware of awareness. And that seems impossible. So could you please clarify I'm happy to be, um, I'm happy to clarify what I can there. So, um, as Tanya was just talking about, this is a process. We don't start off immediately being able to notice that we're knowing or be aware of awareness itself. And it is the direction the practice goes as it matures. So, the invitation um, in the little instructions I gave and then just for a moment in the meditation was just to respond to the question. If I ask you right now, are you aware? What's the answer? Is anyone not aware? It's kind of impossible not to be once the question is asked, right? So the capacity to develop that reflexive awareness, the ability to know that we're knowing, builds over time in part by cultivating mindfulness of the breath, mindfulness of the body, awareness of the spaces in between. But it's not something we can make happen. I have found in my own practice asking the question every now and then, especially if I hook it to a daily life activity like Tanya talks about, like I've gotten in the habit that every time I walk out my front door, the question, I ask the question. Every time I'm walking back in to my apartment, I ask the question. Every time I open my car door and get in or get out, asking the question. And over months, that built to now the question doesn't happen anymore. The awareness just comes. Because like conditioning a muscle, we can condition that capacity. So it can't happen on demand for most people right away, but it can be developed. So play with it, experiment with it. Some people even put little um, like reminders in their phone that pop up, like, are you mindful right now? 
you know, comes up during the day a few times. It's a way of kind of hacking the phone to be more about bringing you into the present moment than what it usually does. So that's what I have for that. I hope it was helpful. Great. Thank you, Dawn. Let's, um, let's go ahead and shift. I want to talk about more about this thing about daily life and mindfulness and daily life. Um, you know, um, in the very first class, one of the things that I talked about was, you know, part of the gift of the practice is growing our capacity to choose, reducing our reactivity in life, increasing our ability to respond in life. That this is one of the huge gifts of this practice. And I I kind of think that um, choice is a superpower, you know. And we grow that as we grow our mindfulness, you know, this superpower. So we don't, you know, we can we, we can talk about sitting and practicing every day in five minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes, thirty minutes. But when you finish a formal meditation, you don't have to stop your commitment to being aware. You can you can keep it with you. You can have a sense of it's kind of good to be aware. I like to have choice. <laughs> I like to not feel like I'm just reacting to life, reacting to my thoughts, being driven by my feelings. So um, one of the ways we can, you know, kind of develop um, our, you know, bring our practice into our daily life can be, like Donna and I are both saying, choosing an activity or moments in our life so I'm going to invite you, if you're willing, to do a little bit of um, play acting with me. And I'm going to ask you to do this three times, three different ways. So first is, can you bring to mind a, you know, something that you do every day? For me, I'm, I'm going to focus on making my coffee in the morning. Something that is a routine, fairly simple, um, but something that you really reliably know you do. And, um, you know, so everybody got something in mind? Okay. So we're going to be mimes together, if you're willing. And so what I want to invite you to do is just first pass. We're going to do the same activity each time, okay? Okay. So I'd like you to imagine, so you can join me at any moment. Okay, I'm pulling out my coffee machine. So we're not narrating, but I'm just telling you to get, you know. And then I'm going to stop talking, and I'm going to show you essentially what I'm doing, right? But we're not really going to be looking at each other. Just know that. Because we're all going to be focusing on acting out our little routines. So... Join me anytime that you feel ready.
Okay, finishing it up. Okay. So you did what you did. Now this time, as you do it, try and be really, really aware of intentionally I'm moving my hand and pouring. So you'll do less, right? Just be very intentional in your own mind about, okay, I'm doing this and feel it, notice it. Just kind of bringing, upping the mindfulness and upping a sense of experiencing your routine, okay? All right, here we go. Okay, finish up. Yeah, okay. What did you notice? Was there a difference? Yeah? Would you, anybody, you got the mic, do you mind saying, Alina, what the difference was? It slowed down the process. It slowed down the process, and when you slowed down... I was more... it's more mindful, more aware, more like each step compared to doing it automatically. Yeah, yeah, kind of beautiful. like mindful. Beautiful. More. I like it. not so you know not not as automatically. That's a great way. Anybody have another word or anything that they would say about the difference? Yes. Um, yes, yeah, so I was making tea, and on the second time. I noticed that, like, I was feeling how it felt to, like, open the door handle of the camera. I was like, oh, it's like a metal handle. And then when I put the mug down, it's like a granite countertop, and that kind of makes a sound. Beautiful. I didn't do that the first time. And how often is it we don't even notice what we're touching or hearing, right? Because we're in automatic or we're thinking. All right, so the third pass, the third time, we've got the routine, we've got increased mindfulness, and now what I want, you know, this is about, remember, we're talking about a relationship to our experience as well. We've talked about the word, this idea of our inner posture, right? Um, I like also to think about it just, wow, we're relating to our experience in a particular way. There's an emotional or relational quality. It could be curiosity. It could be hatred. You know, it could be, you know, idealizing. What You know, that we can bring these attitudes um, into even mindfulness, right? Well, let's invite in that relationship that communicates compassion or caring like 
this matters. I care. I care. And maybe even, hey, I'm taking care of myself right now. I really, I want to make my tea that is so, such a sweet gift to myself. I'm going to make this tea to help me start my day. So, you ready? All right, go for it. And finishing up, gently, compassionately, taking your time. Don't have to just drop. And what did you notice this time? Did anything change for you? I noticed myself smelling and tasting, kind of savoring maybe, in a way that I hadn't been. Like this idea of like, oh, yeah, I really want to open my senses up to receive and, and, you know, feel the sense of, you know, what I'm doing and taking it in. What did others notice? Yeah. I, I notice a sense of gratefulness of like, Oh, I'm thankful, thankful to take care of myself. Mm. Kind of like, it's a mundane, routine thing I do, but I didn't see it as taking care of myself. So I was like, oh, I'm thankful for that. Beautiful. Do you mind bringing that back to Shalane? Yeah. Thanks. Okay, so um, I was brushing my teeth. Nice. Because that's what I do before I go to bed, and it's the one thing I can't stand not to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't like to get in bed with unbrushed teeth. And, um, but when we did the third part of the exercise, and I was doing it as a treat to myself and it, rather than something that I had to do, yeah. I could really get into, okay, I, I, love, I love the feeling of really clean teeth, and this I'm doing for myself. You know, I can just enjoy it. 
And so it made the whole process very different. Beautiful. Yeah. So this is, this is a great illustration experientially of that, the different kind of relationships we can have with our inner experience. We did the same thing, same task, but the way we related to the task and being aware of the task changed the way it impacted us. So this is what we've been trying to point to, right? Is is that inner relationship to, you know, how are we being mindful? How are we being mindful? Yeah. Yeah, just along that line, um, when you invited us to to imagine that activity as an act of self-care, I noticed that I also slowed down. And um, I also felt more emotion. Like It felt like it allowed room for other emotions that I have to be felt like my... Father passed away about a month ago, and I and mm-hmm. I unexpectedly felt sadness. You know, like I was allowing myself the space in that act of self care to just be present with with myself. So beautiful, rather than like a fast rote kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So automatic pilot, you know, shifting out of automatic pilot into mindfulness, right? Then we be, do become aware or available to receive our actual experience. And when we're on automatic pilot, we don't really receive it. It can't really be processed. It can't really be felt. You know? And it is in the receiving it and the feeling of it that allows it to transform even. That allows it to kind of move through us in a different kind of way. We end up carrying things around a lot because we don't actually let them be felt you know or we ruminate on them in a particular way that kind of keeps them locked in right so now the question is where do you go from here this is the end of the five week series and you know I want to just invite you to reflect for a moment and however many times you've been here for this series, what are you more aware of right now? Another question for you is, What do you want your practice to be like? What do you want it to look like? Like when you get in a relationship with somebody, at some point you talk about what kind of relationship you would like to have, how much time you would like to spend together, what kinds of things you'd like to talk about, you know, like to start your day together, end your day together, right? So what do you want your relationship to be like with this practice? Is it something that, for you, it's good enough to do it on the cushion one time a day and, you know, that feels like the gym, enough of a gym for you? Or is it like, oh, I actually think I'd like to intersperse it throughout my day or, 
you know, like, what, what kind of relationship? What do you want it to look like? And as you kind of imagine that, what would help you create that relationship? What would support making that happen? So if you're willing, it would be nice to hear and to respond to you about, you know, what what you would like it to look like or what you think would be supportive or helpful. And then I can tailor some of what I talk about in terms of other things available, other practices. Um, or I can just, you know, talk about them. But if anybody has any anything in particular they would like to share, please... Find a mic. Yeah, great. Um, well, I was just up visiting my grandchildren, mm. um, and I wanted very much to be able to be coming from my center and being with them in a really calm way, and they are not calm. <laughs> <laughs> And so I, I'm just, I, you know, I, what, I, what I did the few times where I was just kind of like, now what am I going to do? What I did was I said, what am I grateful for right now? Mm. And then, I, you know, and I could just say, I'm, I'm just so grateful to be with them. Mm. And that was kind of letting go of this other fantasy I had of how we were going to all it's meditate beautiful. together. <laughs> Not quite. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't quite there. But but it, it it helped. It helped get me centered because I get out of myself. Yeah. And and I'm out there instead of yeah. in here. So Yeah, beautiful. And do you have a sense of what would help you, you know, it sounds like you did a beautiful thing and what would support you in, in continuing to grow that capacity to come not be out there but mm-hmm. to be in here? I think that in addition to what I do, which is to sit in the morning, it would be to give myself maybe a couple of times during the day where I just took back, <laughs> took myself back and, and didn't get so caught up out there and just just kind of settled back in. Great. And I, I you know, it's, it's hard. Yeah. So... What you said is so lovely, and I'm not sure everybody could hear because uh, the mic. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I didn't want to stop you because you were. It was coming together for you, uh, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. But um, so you you were thinking that it would be helpful to stop a couple times during the day to kind of actually literally invite yourself to come back home. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, because I I start off the day and then I'm gone. <laughs> right. Right. At, at least with my grandchildren are around and they're yeah. seven and five. So, oh, what a precious thing! Yeah, thank you for sharing. Anybody else? Oh, great! I see somebody else getting the mic. I didn't realize this was the last of the series. Is that right? Tonight is there another series coming up? Yeah, there'll the, be. Um, yes, so I can. 
Let we me can see. talk afterwards. I will. No, no, I'm going to talk about that. Okay. As part of, but anybody else want to say anything about kind of? Yes, great. And then I'll I'll come okay. back to your question. Okay, because I also wanted to get tips of. During the pandemic, I got completely out of meditation, and I just I really have been for the last few weeks thinking I have to get back into it. So I just came. I thought, well, this will get me going because it's open now and there's people here and Great. I can't do Zoom and listening to things and sitting at home. So Great. Yeah, I want some more ideas. Perfect. Oh. Um, I think, so I, I appreciate the question of what do you want it to look like because that invites a decision. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, I forget what else you asked, but one, one of the things that I was just thinking, or you asked, what does it look like? Or, um, you know, for, and for me, I'm just very aware that there's a choice and there's a difference between how I experience my inner life when I am meditating more regularly and when I'm not. And so something that would be really helpful for me would be to have a, a regular circle that I can come and sit with and you know, a regular talk that I can come to um, at least once a week. And I'm just arriving in Palo Alto, so um, new to the area and hoping to find that. Great. Okay. So I think I'll... Um, I'm running over my time a little bit, but I'm going to... I need to say a few more things, and I think it's important. So, so at... At IMC, we have a number of different things, different options. I'll start with just Thursday night because you're all here, right? And you're available on Thursday night. So next week, um, the ne- for the next three weeks, um, just in person, I won't be streaming on YouTube, but um, I'll be talking about establishing a practice. And, and so, and I'll be here, I'm kind of really wanting to respond to whatever questions and I have lots of material to share, but I also will make myself very available to what, what's going on, how it's going, questions about the center, things like that. So, um, and Don and I will both be here next Thursday. And so, um, so that's one place to continue this conversation, right? Sort of to learn more. Um, there's also um, like Monday nights, there's in person with a Dharma talk and a I think it's a 45-minute meditation. And then there's Sunday mornings here, um, which is a Dharma talk or like a 35, 40-minute meditation and a Dharma talk afterwards. And sometimes on Sundays there's tea, social tea, and sometimes there's potlucks. Um, Sometimes there's occasionally there's like a community meeting. So that's another opportunity. Let's see. Um, there's also, I know not for you, but there's happy hour, which is every night during the week at 6 p.m. It's a loving kindness practice on Zoom from 6 to 7, which is lovely. It's one of my favorite things. And it's a, you know, a combination of a guided loving kindness practice and then small group breakouts. So you get to talk to people from all over the world who have been coming really for a long time to this little sangha of metta, loving kindness. Um, And that's a lovely support that's there. And then every morning, Gil on YouTube or whoever's covering for him does morning meditation with a, um, like a, I think it's, 
Is it is it a half hour guided meditation and then a fifteen minute dharmet? So just a short little like nugget for you for the day. Um, Wednesday. And Wednesday is a half day, so that's like a, you come and you have a sit and then you walking meditation and then another sit and a dharmet. So. It's a wonderful practice, and then you can bring, we do sangha cleaning together. Then we meet in a circle out in the community hall, and then you're invited to bring your lunch and sit down and connect with each other afterwards. It's a, yeah, but not the cleaning. No, but yeah. the circle and the lunch are outside for those who are concerned about Yeah. 9.30. Yeah, starts at 9.30. And I think officially the outside circle's at 12.15. So, but then there's lunch afterwards. So those are some of the things that IMC offers. Um, and there's more. There's day-longs. And in fact, this Saturday, there's a day-long, an introduction to mindfulness meditation day-long taught by Bruni de Villa. And so it's like 9.30 to 4 or 9 to 4.30? 9 to 4.30. 9 to 4.30. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice, and she'll be giving instructions on breath, mindfulness of breathing, mindfulness of body, mindfulness of emotions, mindfulness of thinking, and open awareness practice throughout the day. And bring your lunch. And then um, I'll be co-teaching a class with Diana Clark um, in... Uh, March. March. Thank you. (laughs) On the five hindrances. And the five hindrances are the five things that tend to interfere with our meditation practice. So, um, and we'll be using the Wizard of Oz as a reference point. So it will be very fun. I'm very excited. And then in April, I'll be doing this class again. So... Well, that's some things that are going to be coming your way. Can I interject here? Yeah. Um, especially for all of you are most welcome, and especially for those of you who are constrained to YouTube, I'll also be offering an introductory series on loving-kindness meditation starting March 11th. It's a five-week series. It's much like this, except that the focus is on metta, kindness and compassion cultivation. So... And that'll be on Zoom or YouTube? That will be on YouTube and Zoom. Um, Actually, I know for a fact it'll be on Zoom. I think it'll only be on YouTube after the fact. So if you want the interaction with people, um, you can register um, by looking at the IMC calendar. There'll be a link. On on Saturdays? It's on Saturdays um, starting March 11th, and it's from 9.30 a.m. to 11 a.m., five Saturdays. And then the following Saturday, I'm doing a half day. So there's a lot of stuff happening, a lot of stuff going on. Um, so um, there was a question on YouTube, uh, which is, how do we decide which meditation technique to use? And um, I think the simplest, the funnest way to answer that is to share a story about another teacher in our tradition named Natalie Goldberg. And she also is a Zen practitioner. And she was sitting with Thich Nhat Hanh. Many of you know Thich Nhat Hanh. And she asked him how he kept his practice alive, you know, for all those years. And he, he smiled a wry, sweet smile, she says. And he said to her, so you want to know my secret? She nodded eagerly. I do whatever works and change when it no longer works. 
So the idea of what do we, how do we decide what kind of practice, what to be doing, you know, we've taught you a lot. This was a smorgasbord of, you know, meditation practices. And I always like to say, start with what's easiest, right? You encounter the least resistance. You get your momentum going. So start where it's easiest. Start what calls to you. Start what feels right. And there's a lot of research on change, and it shows that you know smaller commitments, smaller bites, it's much easier to sustain and, and feel motivated instead of getting discouraged. So, um, so with that, <laughs> we'll open up for a few more questions before we close. Yep, grab the mic and. There's, yeah. I just wanted to say that I find it really helpful to tune in to the morning um, sit and then the Dharma, really short Dharma talk. Um, and it starts at 7 o'clock if you want to be on time, but it'll, it, it's on YouTube the rest of the day. And actually, if you miss a day, you can go back and catch up on that day. And so I, I think it's, it's so available that yeah. it doesn't mean that you have to be up at 7 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I wanted to say. Thank you. Get the mic. Get the mic. Oh, you were scratching your head? Okay. <laughs> Any other questions, requests, comments? How this has been for you, if you've been coming to the class, anything you want to share about that, it's also welcome. Even just today? Yeah, even just today. Yeah. Now she has a question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is my first time doing this class, and I attended the Four Noble Truths class as well last year. Um, And I feel like I really enjoy the interactive aspect of it a lot. Um, like something that I think happened a few times in the Four Noble Truths was actually like small breakout groups when there were enough people. Um, and I feel like that was, it was just so nice to talk to people and share what we were going through. And so. Um, so we'll be doing that the next three weeks and the Four Hindrances class. Okay, awesome. Yeah. yeah. I just really, I love Five Hindrances. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm glad to hear that. It's really helpful to me. I really love offering that. So good. Hopefully you'll be here. Definitely. Great. I just wanted to thank both you, Don, and you, Tanya. This has been a really good uh, five-week class, although we missed uh, uh, last week. And uh, we are starting to uh, invoke more mindfulness in our daily life. It just yesterday we were at the airport and... Um, situation got a little stressful and I remembered <laughs> that nice. uh, it was a good time to practice mindfulness and then that was that was very helpful so I can remember another time I was um, I used to, when I was driving more I had a practice of being at red stoplights and using that as a moment to practice mindfulness because Normally, you're in a mindset where you have to be somewhere. 
and this red light is preventing you, darn it. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I really, uh, you asked the question of where I, where I want to take this practice, and for me, um, as far as it will go, and there's there's so much I'm learning uh, that I, and so much unknown that I feel like it really. Uh, I don't know where it's going to take me mm-hmm. right now. So I don't know what it looks like. Which I can't imagine it. Great. So. That's great. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Living on the edge of the mystery. that it? More comments and questions? That's great. It's been fun to be here with you guys. Yeah. It's really, really nice. And very fun to teach with Dawn. Yes. Yeah, totally right. fun. This is Sa- our first time teaching together. Yeah, and Sally's our lifesaver. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, Richard, our amazing recorder, who's also the great you know, helper with sitting posture and encouraging you talk to him afterwards he'll encourage you along just keep going he'll tell you so it's a team we're a team here glad you're a part of it so um so let's see just uh, just a reminder that at imc you know this place exists because of volunteers it's an all volunteer kind of sangha. The building was bought by people's donations to the sangha. It's not, you know, there's nobody here that gets paid for anything. It's all, all, all the teaching, all, everything. So, um, and member, there's no membership other than your desire to, you know, have a, a mind that's present and a heart that's available to this world, so, and ourselves. So to me, that's a very inspiring thing, and you're here, and you can keep coming as much as you want. And if you want to become more involved in the center, there's lots of opportunities for volunteering. So that was helpful for me when I came here. I liked having a, I don't know, it made me comfortable to have a job, right? And like I felt like a little bit more like I belonged. So, so let's. Um, I have one practice of dedication of merit. I think we have time to share with you all, which is the dedication of merit. This idea is that, you know, everything we're doing, we're doing it for the benefit of ourselves, for the benefit of others, and both. So without exception, all beings. And that's a big topic, right? A big idea of all beings everywhere. So I'd like to invite anyone who's interested to maybe name a group of people that that they're thinking about right now, that they have, um, that they want to invoke us to think about. Some people, one person um, said, all the people in in um, cages, meaning people in prison. You know, he wanted us to think about them. And um, so, is there any group of people or any beings that you would like us to bring to mind as we dedicate our merit? Here's the mic right there. Yeah. The Rohingya people in Myanmar. 
Thank you. Women and girls in Afghanistan. Beautiful. Anyone else? You could pass the mic and just, you don't, you, people don't need to speak into it. Just hand it around if anybody wants to say something. Great. <laughs> On YouTube, you can type in there if you want to name something. Um, I guess people who, this is like a vague term, but just people who dedicate their lives to helping others in a very real way and maybe not expecting a lot in return to. Beautiful. Beautiful. All these beings that have been named and everyone we didn't name, may all beings benefit from our practice, including ourselves, right? Without exception. Thank you.